radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Right there. Yeah. Hands up. Oh, oh, watch out. Oh, he stole on him. He fired on Cubs. Hold on now. Oh, get it cracking then. Let's go. Snoop Dogg in the house. Let me see some. Drop the sticks, man. Let's get cracking, man. To the middle of the rink. Let's go. Number three wanted. I like that. Who is number three for us? Dion foot up. Dion, go get cracking, like Dion. Yeah, him. go get him, Dion. Drama in the LBC. It's kind of hard being Snoop D-O-double-G. But I somehow, someway keep coming up with funky-ass hits like every single day. May I kick a little something for the G's and make a few ends as I breeze through. For January 17th, 2019, I am Roots Bataglia of Puck77.com. Do you think there's anyone out there that, like, knows that you do this, but, like, also doesn't understand why you go by Brutes? Probably. Yeah. I would imagine. Nice. I don't know who listens to this. Yeah. I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm James Cole. Nice, man. Couple beers tonight. We should tell the, uh, tell our listeners. We haven't, uh, we haven't had an episode where we've been drinking beers since, like, the Cody Fraser bonus episode or the, well, I guess the one after that. Um, oh, I guess you had you had a few during the Miracle commentary. I did. Yeah, I had one or two, I guess. But you were feeling good. Well, we're you're feeling good on a Monday. We're feeling good now. I'm feeling good now. It's yeah. Tuesday night, actually. We're out early this week. Feeling fantastic. Yeah. Getting ready to go here, middle of the week. Just gonna spend my Wednesday hungover because I'm off. Huh. Yep. That's. I've never planned to spend a day hungover. No. Um, well, I mean. You I know, understand it's a risk. I'm at but... an age now where I know that it, when I drink all six of those tall cans in my fridge tonight, that I'm probably going to have a bit of a headache the first 20 minutes tomorrow. It's wild. You were there now. Yeah. I mean, the good news is, is I'm drinking cool, tasty silver bullets. I'm trying Coors to pick up Lights. a potential open uh, podcast sponsor that oh, yeah. uh, may have moved on from oh, a different yeah. uh, podcast. Let's, let's do it. Ah, I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. So yeah, the, we got the Jets game on in the background. Got a cold beer in our hands and feeling uh, good. <clears throat> a, a, a whole slew of topics to get to in uh, in this week's podcast. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you got to do something to uh, to get through those January evenings. You know. There's, do you ever? There's not really much to get too excited about on January fifteenth. I guess we'll get a couple of things for you. Uh, as we mentioned last week on the podcast, it is Oscar season, and um, still no nominees. They they come out next Tuesday, I found out, so we're a week away from that. But um, we figured we would keep you updated on things we've been watching, and then we're probably going to end up doing a bonus episode where we like combine basically everything we've already told you about our movie opinions and Oscar picks and all these things. But uh, we're going to keep you updated as we go along. So I watched a few things this week. Did you watch a few things? I watched one thing that's kind of relevant. What'd you watch? I, you're not going to enjoy it, but I... Nice. I, I watched... Bohemian Crapsody again? No, no. Oh, okay. I watched Solo. Um, that's, oh, no, but I'm really interested to see that. Yeah. I, I, I am going to watch it for sure. It's, it's, one of it's those... on Netflix now, isn't yeah, it? It's one yeah, of those, it's one of those ones that might, like... You know, Star Wars always seems to creep into, like, those visual effects categories costume yeah, crap. Yeah, there's a good chance I'm going to have to see it anyway. Yeah. But, and <clears throat> no, I'm, I'm really interested in that. 
if Donald Glover. I'm yeah, a big fan. if you if you followed the series and and you know a little bit about the characters, like I was really impressed with. Uh, I'm going to screw his name up. Um, Ed Ed, Ed Marak, whoever plays Solo, I can't remember his name. Joel Ed Ed Marak or El Eld Marak. Joel Edgerton. No, I don't know. I, I haven't right. seen these movies, so I don't know this uh, person's name. Uh, you gotta look it up. Yeah. Oh, Alden. <laughs> Alden. Erinrach. Erinrach. I've never. Yeah. I've never seen that person in my life. I, either way, um, he plays a really good. Is that Jennifer Garner? No. Who's that fourth lady? Phoebe Walter Bridge. She just using a oh. voice a voice piece in the. Yeah, that's not Jennifer Garner in the movie. Um, but no, uh, sorry. Uh, Alden, or I'm not going to try the last name from this point on. I'm Aldis Snow, the rock star. <laughs> he does a really good, like, when you consider, like, Harrison Ford did Han Solo in the 70s, he does a really good job of, Did like, he do Han Solo in the 70s? Who's uh, um, to say? He was really, like, spot on in terms of his, like, mannerisms. And, like, like the one that got me was the, um, the laugh like whenever, okay. whenever this this young kid would laugh as Han Solo, it was very much the same as like when Harrison Ford would do it, and I just it was one of those things where it was like, yeah, you didn't have to go that extra mile and try to be Harrison Ford's version, but he kind of steered into it and understood that the fans were expecting a certain something, and that was really well done. And, you know, whatever, it's it's a Star Wars film. You know what you're getting. It's it's meat and potatoes. So I can't remember if I actually gave grades last week on the films. But maybe we could start doing that. Out of one out of ten. One ten, out of ten? Ten being, like, is there a movie you would give a ten to ever that you've seen? Wow. Um, like, is there a perfect movie? For me, there isn't. I couldn't give a ten out. My favorite movies, like, Big Lebowski or Pulp Fiction, I'd give them each, like, a 9.5. You got the Steve Wojcikowski grading effect, eh? There's no such thing as a perfect score. I don't think there's a perfect movie. Okay. I don't think there is. Citizen Kane? It's a nine. Just a nine? It's a good movie. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I don't. That's not my favorite, but it's good. Okay, I, I'm not saying that there is a Shaw, movie. Shawshank Redemption's the closest thing. Okay, I would still maybe give it like a nine point seven. Okay, okay. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just yeah. Like, it's interesting. I never thought about it. So, like, you're, what's your favorite movie? My favorite movie. Yeah. Um, of all time, it's probably between No Country for Old Men and uh, Dark Knight. What would you give them? 2008 yeah. was a big year for you. Yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess you're right. Like, I'd, I'd put them up around like nine and a half. There you and, go. You know, yeah. So, what yeah. if one, one being the lowest, one being like the room, ten being a film that's never been made? Okay. What would you give Solo? Uh, six, six and a bit, six two five kind of thing. I feel like I'm not going to enjoy that now. No. I, th- I thought you were going to give it higher. Oh, I was expecting more. It's not the best Star Wars-based film. It's definitely not the worst. I would hope it's not the best. It's, That'd be fucked. There's like, what, there's like nine of them now, I guess? It's it's in the top third, so... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. I watched, uh, today I watched First Reformed, which is a uh, a movie where Ethan Hawke... Nice. ...plays a priest. Hmm. And his, he, he never used to be a priest, but he's not like a, like a, like a Boy Scout priest... He's drinking and kind of has some okay. radical little, notions and bad things boy. like that. A little bit. Uh, like a closet bad boy kind of thing. Um, oh. He will get nominated for Best Actor for it. 
And you heard it here first. He will. Based on the movies I've seen, because I've seen most of the people who are probably going to get nominated, I would think he's close to winning. Um, but I will say, I'll give I'll give First Reformed a 7 out of 10. I thought it was really well done. I really had no issues with it. it, it it's 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 What I like about it is it's kind of drawn out. It's a little slow moving and I like that because it's got a creepy feel to it. And the whole time you kind of, you're expecting something really sinister is going to happen. And at the end something kind of happens. I didn't care for some of the plot, but I don't know. For overall I thought it was really well done, so I'll give it a 7 out of 10. I've never seen a priest based film that I've enjoyed I don't think. Well, again, this is not like a pro-religion type one. This well, is like it, a, this is almost like an anti-religion film from a religious yeah. perspective. It's not, actually kind of interesting. Not even pro or anti-religion, just in general, where the where a priest is the main character. I, I don't think I've ever seen a film like that before. So, yeah, I can't think of one, no. but I'm sure that I've, I've definitely huh. seen a few. Okay, but uh, yeah, first reform, really good. Directed by Paul Schrader, I enjoyed it. Hmm. Uh, seven out of ten. All right, Ethan Hawke. The other movie I saw, which is way, way more worth talking about. Uh, I sat down and I watched Vice this week. Okay. And this is the f- first movie in a few years. I'm going to say this. I'm going to have to watch it again. I didn't enjoy it. Okay. And I love everyone in the movie. And I love the idea of the movie. And I love the writer. And I love the director. And I'm not really sure why I didn't enjoy it, but I found it kind of hokey. Hmm. Um, so I was kind of doing stuff while I was watching it. I didn't really sit down and watch it, so I will say that. So I'm not going to give Vice a grading, but I will say this. Uh, I watched it once, and I was disappointed. What I will say, uh, Christian Bale is going to win Best Actor for that. You're putting up a lot of promises here. Oh, my God. Uh, That was arguably the best performance of his career, for sure, as Dick Cheney. It's insane. It's insane all the mannerisms he's got down and everything like that. And I know it's a public figure. There's lots of, like, game tape to study. You know what I mean? You're going to be pretty familiar with Dick Cheney and, like, his mannerisms and, like, who he is. I couldn't I couldn't believe how good of a job he did. Really? I was shocked. Huh. And he's he's probably my favorite actor, so I'm a little biased. But, like, he uh, phenomenal. He did a phenomenal job. Nice. If I were to grade it now, though, it's not a flattering grade, so I'm going to rewatch it, and we'll we'll get back to a grade on Vice. Oh, I was going to say like, watch the, it again. The, the lineup looks unreal. Like you'd expect. You know what? In good certain things. certain things they did with it, not to spoil too much, but there's a point of the movie where um, about 50 minutes in, they tease that the movie's ended and that there's no story beyond it. But basically, like the vice presidency thing doesn't happen. They tease that the movie's ended. They start putting up like you know how the end of the movie they'll be like Sean never danced again. He now works in Boston as a fucking whatever. Like they do that with it. Like they start teasing from Magic Mike or what? Sean never dancing again. Is that from Magic? <laughs> I don't Mike? know. Is that well? Okay. I mean, I think his name's Mike, not Sean. No. Oh, there's more than one guy. In is the there film. a Sean in it? Come on, know. there's more than one. I've stripper? never seen Magic Mike. I don't. I don't, I don't know. No, I'm sure they're fine films. Maybe we'll do a uh, movie. Co- <laughs> well, now we're committed. All right. What a hockey podcast uh, this is! Yeah, we're ten minutes in. We haven't talked about hockey one time. This is great. <laughs> um. Yeah. So they tease like the movie's ended, and they're like the Cheneys now live on a ranch and blah blah blah. And this is what Lynn does. And then the credits start rolling, and it's like Amy Adams as Lynn Cheney. Christian Bale is Dick Cheney, and like they all start rolling and stuff like that. And you're like, 
What? <laughs> I literally had to scroll and make sure that there there was still like an hour and twenty minutes left in the movie to make sure that like, I wasn't hmm. I wasn't having a stroke or something like that. Like, no, the movie hadn't ended. That's wild. You have a real copy of the movie. Everything's gonna be fine here. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna rewatch it. Yeah, that's we'll good. see. Yeah. So, I think we have to address perhaps what took place. Um, when our listeners first tuned into this week's podcast and may have been a little confused when yep. they heard a certain Los Angeles-based rap yep. icon yep. calling a hockey game. Yeah, uh, Snoop Dogg's the inspiration for this week's podcast. Uh, we're doing a commentator-specific top ten, and uh, we're also drinking gin and juice during the podcast. No, we're having Russell, beers. Russell, high as fuck. Yep. Totally blazed. Yep, for sure. Wouldn't have it any other way. Blazing with the Crips. Sh- sure, man. <laughs> Dude, have you ever done drugs? <laughs> like, I, have, I you? have not, sir. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so, <laughs> so Snoop Dogg uh, got to announce an L.A. Kings game this week. Now, what a lot of people probably don't know is that Snoop is legitimately... Like a hockey fan, he I believe has season tickets to the LA Kings, and uh, I mean like he's always been a hockey fan. Like the video for Gin and Juice, he's wearing a Pittsburgh Penguins jersey, um, which you know, seems he, he, a little odd if you're a Kings fan. No, I think they also picked that night specifically because they were playing the Penguins, so he's got a bit of a tie to the Penguins, a bit of a tie to LA. So they did Penguins versus LA. Ooh. Regardless, um, Snoop uh, did some announcing. And it has dominated the internet for the past three days or so. I'm sure everyone listening to it has seen it. And I, for one, am with the people who think Snoop Dogg should make a regular appearance on this broadcast. Now, he's at, he's got other shit to do. That's a problem. Is people legitimately think, like, it's like, well, why doesn't he do this full time? And it's like, no. He, first off, he wasn't really... He didn't know anything, really, about what was going on. He was just entertaining. Who want that money? <laughs> get that Who money. Who get it? Who oh, gonna get it? Oh, yeah. Come on. Let's throw down now. Come so, on. Somebody's going to want that money. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the thing. Like, I, I'd rather, I'd rather have Snoop Dogg come in, say, like, four or five games on the season. Come in, sure. come in four or five Do games. period. But, like, because if he comes in, like, more than that, he's going to start learning things, and it's not going to be as funny. <laughs> He's going to be trying to get better. Yeah. He's like, legitimately going to be at home, like, studying stats, like, pencil in his ear, like, reading a bunch of stuff da- online. Doughty. 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 Okay. Got that one. On to the next nizzle. Marizuschirka. Shizurka. Shiz... Fuck that, man. Shizzy wizzy. Yeah. Yeah. Former New York Islander Marzus Tchaikovsky would be shizzy wizzy. <laughs> um, it was great. You know what? It was great for the game. It was great for the broadcast. It added something. Uh, uh, you know what? And, and you and I talked about something before we started recording. And I legitimately think this, though. Kudos to the LA Kings broadcast because this is two weeks in a row where they've done something outside the box to kind of, you know... Address the add, fact. Add something to the broadcast. That people might not be watching. Yeah, it's not so much like Tyler Toffoli passing the puck to, like, fucking Carl Hagelin 
from Alex Aya Fallow. Like it's you know there's yeah. there's something else going on here. Yeah, let's 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 do something else. I thought it was great. Um, good for Snoop for doing it. He did a fantastic job, and I'm not just saying that. I thought it was great. Um, something different. And you know what? Like other teams could learn something from this. Like I'm I'm surprised there isn't more of a celebrity contingent. Randy in games, Bachman I'm surprised we don't. Well, but honestly, I mean, Susan Sarandon did the New York uh, New York Rangers a few years ago, and she was good. But like, it's something different. It's somebody. It's something to spice it up a little bit. Because I'm not gonna lie, like hockey has for sure, in my opinion, of the four major team sports in North America, the worst announcers. Like there are some really good ones, and we're gonna get to that later in the podcast. But a lot of the like American. I, I hate to say it, but like a lot of the American lower market teams, uh, they're not bringing much to the table for announcers. Like, there's not really much well, excitement in so certain many guys. Players in the booth too, right? Right, and, it, but it's not even the color guys. The terms and yeah, it's the play by play is just like so monotone. Like we're watching the Vegas uh, Golden Knights right now, and thank God it's the Dennis Bayak feed of the broadcast because like Vegas's announcer is terrible. He's terrible. Which uh, is weird for Vegas. You'd think that he'll be about uh, entertainment. Oh, he just, yeah, he doesn't have the voice for it. He tries. It, he doesn't have the voice. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Snoop Dogg is uh, hockey's newest product, and Shizzy we wish him well. Yeah. yeah, for shizzle my nizzle. Yeah. <clears throat> right. we got to stop with that stuff. On to more on-the-ice-related stuff. Um, or... Even off the ice, really. Who knows in this next topic. I guess this is off the ice as well, but... Rick Nash announced his retirement this week from the National Hockey League, um, citing unresolved concussion issues from his time with the Boston Bruins. He suffered a concussion, he never came back, and and here we are. Rick Nash's career is over, and... um, it's it's sad news in a way because I think Rick Nash had more to give and I think he wanted to give more and and here we are he's he's done he's got to hang him up and he's not coming back. It's not one of those ones where it's like well maybe if he gets an offer next year like Rick Nash is done and and it is what it is. Uh, one thing I will say about Rick Nash is I've never heard a bad thing about Rick Nash off the ice. I've never heard anything negative about him as a person whatsoever. I've never seen him do anything dirty playing the game. Uh, he seems like a wonderful guy. Uh, I really wish him and his family well, because I think he gave a lot to the game, he gave a lot to Columbus, apparently a, a phenomenal member of the community while he was in Columbus, uh, giving lots of money to charities, giving his time, his attention, and uh, he'll be missed for sure as a leader and an ambassador of the game, and I hope uh, he doesn't get too deterred from the way his career ended to do things around the game in the future. Uh, it'd be nice to see him come on not just as like a scout but in a team's front office or as a as a color guy or you know what i mean so good for him he'll be missed but it's a career cut short because of concussions yeah i among other issues like don't get me wrong like he's he's had other injuries he was a big boy that played the game hard and he played the game big and you know it's i'm sure his knees aren't the best i'm sure his back isn't the best and if we're talking about a guy with maybe just concussion issues, maybe he tries to keep it going. But I think everything at the end of the day mixed together, his age. Well, and I, I mean, it's not like we're talking about, uh, you know, like a, your typical six foot four guy. Like you're talking about a guy who at one point was considered to be the most lethal goal scorer in the NHL. You're talking about a guy who was playing top minutes against 
physical defensive partners against physical teams in a time where the league was a little bit slower. You could play bigger, heavier bodies. Like, he's getting hit and hit hard every single night. He's playing hard, hard minutes, especially when he's in Columbus. He's playing tons of minutes because there's no one else to put on the ice. You know, it's 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 tough. It was a long, long career, I'm sure, for Rick Nash. Uh, I'm sure there were a lot of nights in the ice bath and and... But good for him because he gave a lot to the game, like I said, and he had a great career. Uh, he went to New York; it never really panned out. But he had some runs, like like St. Louis and everyone else who was there. Like they had some runs to the final and and to the conference final. And but it's unfortunate. Again, it's a career cut short because of concussions. And uh, interesting uh, note I saw on Twitter, and I'm, I'm just going to pose a quick, small little mini quiz for you here. With Rick Nash retiring, we're drinking. We're down to ten players remaining uh, active from his O two draft year. Can can you give me any of them? I should be able to. I'm trying to think who. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say I was trying to think who the first overall pick from that draft was. Well, uh, he just retired. Yeah, two thousand and two, eh? Huh. I'm gonna say Ron Hainsey's one of them. Uh, no, Ron Hainsey was actually in the uh, 01 draft. But yeah, I'm off to a great start. Yeah, it's not, it's not I guess great. an obscure name, because yeah. I clearly don't know. No. I can tell you second overall is gone already. <clears throat> Carl Lettinen. Third is is still active, though. Third third overall this year, did, uh, still active defenseman. I don't know, man. I've been drinking. you got to get you, I'm, I'm going to concede here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in order real quick here. we got sure. Jay Bomeister. He's still going. Good third overall. Uh, Alex Steen. Cam Ward, Trevor Daly, Duncan Keith, Johnny Boychuk, Franz Nielsen, Valtteri Filpula, Mike McKenna, interestingly enough, and uh, Curtis McElhinney. So Okay. Bowmeister? Who? Steen. Steen. Cam Ward. Cam Ward. Trevor Daly. Trevor Daly. Duncan Keith. Duncan Keith. Johnny Boychuk. Boychuk. McKenna. Franz Nielsen. Franz Nielsen. Um, Valtteri Filpula. Yeah. And uh, McElhinney. Who makes it the longest? Oh, boy. It's Steen, right? Like, almost... I don't know. Almost He's all those so guys hurt. are... Almost all of them are done. Like, I, I could see Nielsen's Nielsen. contract is going to possibly keep him around... Yeah. Way longer say, than it I, I should. Could, I could see Nielsen. Because he's got, what, like, at least three more years left after this yeah. season. He so. just, just kick around even, like, signing, like, low, t- you know, low-risk deals. and. Oh, I don't even know if he makes it to the end of this contract. I just don't think anyone else on that list makes it to the end. No. <laughs> makes it Bo to Mr. the end of no, Nielsen's contract. Steen, no, Ward, no. You Daly, don't think Steen, no. no? No, he's been so hurt so, re- like, frequently the last few years. I think he's... Yeah, I don't know, but he was... He was a guy who never really had injury problems before that, so yeah. like I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's able to battle back. Boychuk, yeah. Boychuk, maybe I don't know. He's, All right, I'm, I'm going on the record. I'm taking, uh, I'm taking Nielsen. Yeah, I agree. Oh, okay, yeah. well I'll take Steen then. Oh, okay, <laughs> we'll make it fun. Uh, yeah. So anything, anything on Rick Nash from you? I don't know. I, I just always, always admired him. Um, I. I feel like we kind of got robbed in terms of in what we deserved out of his career. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to say that about a guy who played over a thousand games and scored four hundred and thirty-seven goals, right? But like, yeah. I agree with you. I feel like Rick he Nash. Had... We never really got what we could have out of Rick Nash, and it's not his fault at all. 
But Rick Nash was kind of like the Rick idea Nash could have scored sixty fucking goals yeah, in the league, man. It, like he was unbelievable. Was, he he was the kind of guy where it was like someone thought, let's put Eric Lindros on the wing. And then just, like, have him not worry about playing defense. Just tell him to keep his head up. And... Yeah. Like, for me, like, the the big memory with Rick Nash, I go back to that uh, World Championship goal he scored with, like, two guys hanging onto his back, and he just battles through. That's the kind of guy he was. He was always yeah. he was always getting attacked or, or jumped on or whatever it was. He was getting hit and beaten, and he just kept going and driving and going to the net. And... <clears throat> At a time where the Leafs were not contenders, I was... So adamant that they needed to get Rick Nash in 2012. Like, I would have killed to have Rick Nash play for the Leafs. And it had nothing to do with the Leafs trying to win a cup. It was, I wanted a Rick Nash Leafs jersey. I wanted him to be our guy. And uh, he never really got there. I was a big Rick Nash fan. And uh, it's a shame it, it ends because of injury. Yeah, I would rather him go out more so on his own terms. But uh, we are where we are. And we obviously, Rick, Rish... Rish Wick Nash. <laughs> Rish Wick Nash. He, he did, we I, wish Rick Nash the I, best. I, I think moving he, forward. he did a good thing too, given that he came in and joined the Blue Jackets at the time when they were a new team, and I think got them maybe a little bit more relevant than yeah. they deserve oh, he, to be. He was a big contributor, obviously, in the yeah. community and everything like that. If I ever that. got a Blue Jackets jersey, he'd be a Rick Nash one for sure. Yeah, so. I, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Wish Rick Nash. Fuck, this is this is going to be a fun podcast at it. Uh, speaking of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, what could we possibly be alluding to? I wonder. Sergei Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky! I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions uh, and I want them answered immediately, Bobrovsky. Where do we even begin? It's not good. We talked about Sergei Bobrovsky a while ago, I believe in October. Uh, he was quoted as saying that the Blue Jackets know what his plans are and he's not going to go any further on that. Um, he, time after time, would give some sort of like an ominous statement as to his future as he's obviously a, 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 a pending unrestricted free agent after this season. Bobrovsky was sent home uh, the day after we recorded our podcast last week uh, on their road trip in Nashville. For an incident that the team did not disclose at the time. We have since learned... Uh, he's back with the team first off. We've since learned that the issue stemmed after getting pulled the previous night against Tampa, I want to say? I thought it was the Islanders. But... Islanders. Bobrovsky was pulled and apparently took his equipment off, hit the showers, and basically left the rink. Um, instead of, you know going on the bench and serving as a backup and helping out your team there in case uh, something's to happen to Jonas Corposalo. So he left. Obviously, that's not okay. There was a report about his teammates meeting with him on the tarmac before they boarded the plane. Uh, we've now learned that it was the teammates telling him that that's unacceptable. He can't, you know, just bail out on them and basically just making sure everything's okay with him. Uh the, the Blue Jackets made the decision afterwards to suspend him. I don't disagree with them. I think they were well within their rights, and I agree with everything they did there. Uh, but probably the bigger story here, because I don't think there's much of a debate on who was right or who was wrong. I get both sides of it. We're at that point now where we're talking about possibly the most consistent goaltender in the league, because you're looking at a, at a, you know, a price that isn't himself. You're looking at a Lundqvist that's nearing retirement. You know, 
this is a guy who's been in the Vesna conversation for years and years and years. Uh, we've got some young goaltenders coming up, but Bobrovsky's kind of been that guy that's stuck around for some years now. So, obviously, he's, he's, he's the reigning Vesna guy too, right? Like won it last year. Pekka Rinne won it last year. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, but he's got two in, in the last couple of years anyway. Like he's he's a big name. Yeah, I believe he's won it twice. Yeah. You, but you're talking about a guy here that uh, he massively helps any hockey team. Um, you know, there, there's a, maybe a handful of teams in the league that are not in need of a goaltender, or Bobrovsky wouldn't be a slam dunk upgrade on their current goaltender. There's maybe three or four teams that can say that right now. So, obviously, he's going to be a well-sought-after free agent. Now, whether teams can make a contract work with him, or, bigger issue, if they can make the off-ice Sergei Bobrovsky buy into the on-ice version of their team and the off-ice version, you know, that remains to be seen. But this is obviously a huge, huge matzo ball hanging out there right now, to quote uh, George Costanza. This is a big one here. So, uh, I mean, what do you make of this? What do you see in Sergei Bobrovsky's immediate future, uh, I guess, you know, we're less, or we're a little over a month away from the trade deadline. Like, is this a name you see moving around the trade deadline? Because you're talking about Panarin is in the same boat, Artemi Panarin, their winger. You know, not nearly as many issues as Bobrovsky, but it's the same thing where there's a lot of fear that Panarin's going to leave after the season. You're talking about two Russian guys that are pretty close that have the opportunity to not only leave the team at the same time, they could go somewhere together even if they can make a cap work somewhere. So, you know, what do you what do you make of this if you're Columbus? Because we've never really talked about this, and this has been an ongoing story for the season. If you're Columbus, what do you see them doing? What do you think they should do? First off, if I'm Columbus, I'm, and this is going to sound a little crazy, but I'm probably a little bit more worried about losing Panarin than I am Bobrovsky. Yeah, I agree. Goalies are so... You know, season to season, you know, they they come and go. They're up and down. I think Corpusalo is the real deal. Like I, I, think, I would argue, Panarin's their most valuable. player. Yeah, I, I think Corpusalo is going to be a great goaltender in the league. It's not even just that. It's just that, you know. And I I hate to say this about a goalie that's this good, but Bobrovsky's had some hiccups in the playoffs, and you know it's only a handful of games. But I mean, if it's every year, if this is you know what I mean, getting out of the first round is your team's kryptonite. Like, you have to find a way to get it done. Yeah. And he hasn't yet. They were close. They almost beat the defending Stanley Cup champions, but... Yeah. I, I don't see how you don't, if you're going to kick a line and try to make a deal before the deadline. Yeah. Because well, I, I, mean, I think it, it's a it, foregone conclusion you're losing this guy in the summer. His uh, his phone's moving, for sure. Like, his phone's out there. He's listening to, to conversations regardless. Um, but, I mean, like... It's what tough. kind of package do you get right now? It's is tough the thing, because right? like you're you're in a situation where, like I mentioned, like I think Corpusal is going to be a great goalie. I don't know if he's like ready to take that number one role yet. And we're talking about a team that's they're sitting what I think second right now in the Metro, and they had a, a good start last year against the Caps. They came close to knocking out the Stanley Cup champions. They ultimately fell flat, and it happens. But who's to say that Columbus doesn't go on a similar run as Washington did if they get by Washington? So, you know, your your window to win right now in Columbus, I think, is 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 open. Uh, you've got to roll with it. Um, 
But that being said, this is the I best don't, team I don't, they've ever had. It is by and, a lot. And, and and the problem is is that you can't hang all of this on one season. If you if you go out and try to win, found a found a dryer <laughs> sheet in my sweatpants. Just ah, staying fresh on the least up podcast. That was laundry day. You know, I had yeah. a day off. Anyway, but you're right. Like if 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 you go out and you try to say you're, you're the Blue Jackets and you're going to lose Bobrovsky and maybe even Panarin in the summer. And next year you're looking at a team that maybe can't even hold down a wild card spot because you've lost your two biggest pieces. Then the time to go is now. You got to you got to go. You got to go all in. You got Seth Jones. You've got you know Wierenski. You've got some. You got some really good pieces on this team that are going to be there for a while. But if you don't have a goalie, and especially one with the pedigree that Bobrovsky brings, how far are you going to go? So if they're trading Bobrovsky. You have to figure they're bringing in someone to replace him. And I, I don't know what kind of list of teams are out there that can offer a replacement for a guy like That's Bobrovsky. a tricky thing, right? Like, exactly. Unless you're moving him right now and you're trading him for another goaltender, that it's not going to be a lateral move, but I mean, even if you're moving him for a goaltender that's a starting capable goaltender in the National Hockey League, like you're looking a at Jimmy like Howard, a... a you know, you're looking, fucking you're Craig looking at Anderson. almost like a David Abisher for Jose Theodore type deadline deal, where it was just one for one. Each guy swapped, and whether so, it worked out or not, you, both teams knew. You may be able to package them like if if a team's upgrading a goaltender, like they'll they'll throw in a pick and a prospect. Sure. If they're getting a Bobrovsky, a, a two time Vesna winner, then sure, like they'll throw in a pick or whatever, like they'll get more. But the problem is, is that. Do you want to do you want to make that move now and have it be a goaltender that can't play in your system? Because we've talked about it before on the podcast about a goaltender who not all goaltenders are a victim of their system, but in a lot of cases, like certain goalies are going to be better on certain teams, and it's just you know some goalies are some goalies are better against more shots. Yeah. Like that is just the fact of life. Like it's true. Um, you know we've seen goalies in the past where they have better games when they play against forty shots a night. You know, like, you risk bringing in the wrong goaltender, you ring, you risk bringing in the wrong solution, and, and not only shooting yourself in the foot this season, but shooting yourself in the foot for seasons to come. Yeah. So, like, there is a ton of risk here. Like, and this, yeah. this isn't even to begin with the Panarin part of it. Like, this is just the Bobrovsky part of it. Um, you know what I could see that I wouldn't want to see, but kind of makes a little bit of sense to me right now, is um, if I am the Boston Bruins... I'm taking a long, hard look at maybe trading Yarrow Halak if I'm convinced that Rask is my guy and flipping him to Columbus, bringing in Bobrovsky just as a rental, like not even looking at him long-term, just saying, you know what, this is a guy that I can put on my bench. And if and trading Halak to Columbus? Yeah, because Halak's having a great year. and I think you'd almost, value, rather, you'd almost rather trade Rask, though, to would Columbus, you? wouldn't you? Well, because right now they seem pretty confident that Halak is their guy. Rask is signed, but it doesn't look like they have any confidence in Rask right now. Or not a lot. Like, they have more confidence in Halak for sure. If Halak is outplaying your goaltender right now and they're, like, around the same age, maybe maybe trade Rask. And maybe, maybe. that's a deal where Columbus looks at it and it's like, Rask is signed because beyond this year. I think You I, have a goaltender moving forward, there's less risk than Halak, who's on a one- or two-year deal. Well, that's, that's where I you know come what back I mean, to, right? is that if like, you're going to lose Halak at the end of the year and you're going to lose Bobrovsky, why... Saddle up with two guys that you might lose. Yeah. Hang under Rask. You know you got him down the road. I I think there's some prying there for Columbus to get Rask if they want, though. 
I'm not I, saying I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just like if I'm Boston, it's seven I'd rather million have Rask and Bobrovsky for the playoff run than I would Halak and Rask for the playoff run. I don't know. It's a, it is a, that's an interesting proposition though. Um, the one thing I will argue about Columbus is that they've done fine without Panarin before. Like it's worth noting, like two true. two years ago they were fifty twenty four and eight with. Brandon Saad as their third highest point getter at fifty three points. Now that was now Bobrovsky the, had a great year. That, that was year, the twenty five right? win season, right? The, the record in a row, twenty five wins in a row, whatever uh, it was. I, I don't know. I don't remember that. But so that was a that was a Vesna year for Bobrovsky. I'm saying they've made it work without Panarin before. They've made it work without Bobrovsky playing his best. They haven't done both at the same time. But I'm not sure that that's out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. That said, I think you could fuck up this year's team and not necessarily do yourself any long-term favors by moving Panarin to Bobrovsky. This is one of the only situations where I would say, if you're losing a guy at the end of the year, you're going to have to deal with it. And I get that that is most of their core. But I think this is a situation where I legitimately believe Columbus is a, a... not a Stanley Cup contender, but they're a Stanley Cup threat. They're a they're threat the to right get in. Position. They're in a yeah. threat to get in that conversation for yeah. sure. Um, You're looking and, at a team that's probably going to have home ice advantage in the first round. If they get to the second round, then like I, I think this every year. If you get to the semifinals in the NHL, you've got a chance. Like it, it doesn't matter who you are. I don't care if you're the Lightning. Yeah. I don't care if you're the. 16th seeded team going into the playoffs if you get to the second round you've got a chance well so. a lot of it you know what a lot of it has to do with what you do those final two weeks and what you do in that first round playoff series too sure. and we're going to get to this a little bit later like the stretch is a big deal too so you know like like you said like all you got to do is win and get in you got to get in you'll make it work once you get there yeah and i think their best chance is to keep these guys now that said do you think both of these guys are gone for sure at the end of the year? I, if they stay, I think Bobrovsky is a foregone conclusion. I think he's gone regardless. I don't know if I'm sold on Panarin leaving. Like I think, I think Columbus could come up. If you're losing Bobrovsky, you're in a position where you might be able to say, "Hey, let's give Panarin nice. Let's give Panarin the money we would have gotten." You know, Bob. And all of a sudden, you're giving uh, the breadman uh, a bigger offer than any uh, team, the breadman any team on the market's going to give you anyway. So, it, I think Bobrovsky's gone. Panarin, I could see sticking around if if Blue Jackets can come up with the right deal. Um, yeah, I also think Bob is gone. Now, whether or not I think that's a good move, that's a matter for a different podcast. I I wouldn't leave Columbus if I were him, but. That's just me. <laughs> I could see them hanging on to Panarin. Yeah. Like, I think there is a case to be made for Panarin about how the future that is with this team, like, I'm not, I'm not, I think it's lost in a lot of people on the prospects, the young players on this team, how good Seth Jones is, how good Zach Warensky is, how good Pierre-Luc Dubois is. You know, I think that's lost on a lot of people. I think Panarin knows it. But it's a matter of realizing that perhaps the grass isn't greener on the other side. There's a lot of talk he's going to go to New York. There's a lot of talk he could uh, he could be a good fit for the Philadelphia Flyers. You know, the fact of the matter is he'd be a good fit for the other 30 teams in the National Hockey League. Like, Panarin is one of those players. 
if you can find a way to get him on your roster, fucking do it. Like, there was a lot of talk earlier in the year the Leafs might make a play for him at the deadline. Fuck, go ahead. Put him with anyone. I don't care. Like, I'll take it, sure. But I'm saying they'll stick with them. And I do think that they might end up keeping Panarin. But I do think Bobrovsky's gone. And I, I don't think that's the end of the Columbus Blue Jackets. I don't think it's a catastrophic situation like people make it out to be. Look, there's a large fan following for Bobrovsky in Columbus. I get it. But uh, I think they can make it work. I think that there's uh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, as it were. So Maybe the we'll Blue see. Jackets trade uh, Bobrovsky for a guy that's not going to make the playoffs this year, that's middling, that has had some playoff success in the past for a goaltender to ride for one last cup run. And maybe we're talking about a Bobrovsky to L.A. for Jonathan Quick type situation. You think Bob would re-sign in L.A.? No, but I think L.A. would maybe take on whatever comes with Bob for a guy that's won two cups the last few years. I can't see Columbus putting in anything into a deal. To win a cup? You got a chance right now. You might lose Panarin. Pay another team to get You might lose Panarin. Let's go for it Yeah, whatever. Fuck it. Let's do it. Let's Let's, get get crazy. Let's get crazy. Let's do it. I'm down. All right. So, uh, Bobrovsky to the L.A. Kings. You heard it here first. Uh, speaking of trades, Andrew Cogliano got traded to the Dallas Stars for Devin Shore to the Anaheim Ducks. Sure. Any thoughts on the deal? Penny for your thoughts? I like Cogliano. I've never not Big liked... fan. Yeah. Like, Big that's... fan. Now... That's great. You knew I would find a way to work the Edmonton Oilers into a podcast. <laughs> sure. How does Edmonton not make a play for Cogliano? He's one of the fastest players in the fucking league. He used to play there. You need a winger... And all it would have cost you was a Devin Shore level of player? Like, how is he not an oiler right now? What are we doing here? The problem what are you is, doing? Well, I'll tell you what the problem is. I know it's Pete Shirelli. I'm just no, saying, no, fuck, what are we not, doing? That's not the problem. I'll tell you what oh, the problem is. All the guys on stupid. the Oilers that are in Devin Shore territory are getting paid like they're in oh, Tyler Sagan territory. So he, for Ryan Spooner. Uh, Spooner's better than Shore. Is he? For sure. I don't know. Shore's terrible. Joe Spooner. He's not great, but he's better than fucking short. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know. But regardless, so this trade happened. Good move for the Stars, I think. Whatever for the Ducks, I guess. I sure. Whatever. Par for the course. I, it's a, it's a I don't get it. Bob Murray must know more than I do kind of thing. Bob uh, Murray does not know more than you do. No? No. I'll hate, tell you why. I don't hate him as a GM, but I really don't understand. And where and here comes here comes the major discussion of the podcast. I think how does Randy Carlisle have a job? Twelve three lost tonight. Like twelve. No, come Rod, on, Rod twelve. They lost tonight. Twelve three to one to Detroit. It's, it's they were winning one nothing after yeah, two. It's it's twelve in a row. Oh my god! What's the number? What's the magic number? Murray says, uh, I'm not moving my coach anytime soon. That was 11. We're at 12. What you know, is it? Is it you know, 14? You know what it is? Yeah, I think it's like 14 or 15. 15? I think he gets fired over the All-Star break. Sure. I do think, I legitimately think he gets fired. I don't care what Bob Murray says. Like, I, he has to get fired this year. I don't understand how you can be the worst possession team in the league, still somehow, like, finish within a fucking stone's throw of a playoff spot every year, and not look at this as a coaching issue. Like, I don't understand how you have Adam Henrique as your third-line fucking center, and you don't think, hmm, maybe something is wrong with the coaching. Like, sure, Kessler helps you none. Perry has been out all year. You have Ricard Raquel, you have tons of fucking young players on D. You have 
the best goaltender in the league in net. I don't understand how you don't see this as a coaching issue when this same thing just happened in Toronto three years ago. Four or five years ago. It wasn't three years ago. The saving grace for Carl at this point, I think, is the fact that the Ducks have had so many man games lost to injury. And it's to the point where, well, how do you blame the coach if all the guys are hurt? Which is, a, like, I get it. That's a fair argument. Like, That's fair. You build a roster with a, with a purpose. Arizona knows guys... how to keep the puck. They have no one worth a fucking yeah, name value, though. Exactly. Like, like, their best player is Clayton Keller. Clayton who? You're, when you're talking about fucking Ryan Getzlaff and all these other guys that have forged, like, a, a you know, a big name for themselves in the league. Uh, like... Clayton Keller, who? Nick Schmaltz is like the third best zone entry guy in the fucking league. Who is that even? Like, the Coyotes have found a way to get it done. Yeah. With Rick Tockett. And and there's no shortage of, like, available coaches out there either. Like, you can't, you can't say to me, so like, we're sticking with Randy because, Elaine like, wait, there's no one. Vigneau would oh, do boy. wonders for this team. Yeah. Like, wonders. And I don't even, he's not even the best coach available. He's, like, third or fourth. Like, what are we even talking about here? There's so many options. Randy Carlisle still has a job. It's 2019. Fuck, get Christian Walwin in there. Let's, let's sure. go. Let's go. What am I going to tell them? He'll Fuck, tell them something. He, he'd, he'd kill to have a team that good. Like, he'd kill to have the Ducks. Yeah. Oh. I don't get it. So you you think he's gone over all-star break? I, uh, I legitimately... I don't know if they if they lose if they lose out to the All Star break. I think he gets fired. If they win the next two or three games, whatever they have, you check their schedule. Well, let, let's. I was gonna say let's let's take a little look at their upcoming schedule, and you tell me if you think they can win or lose. I think he's gone by the end of the year, though. Like I don't understand what the merit is keeping him around, especially when you have some veterans kicking around. Like the problem with the Ducks is they're at such a crossroads where it's like, you know, it's probably an off season type move, but like. Do you look at moving a Getzlaff? Do you look at it moving a Perry? Do you look at, you know, trying to find a taker for Ryan Kessler? Like, you have older players there that get made out to be an older team, but there's a lot of young pieces there that would benefit from getting to know the new coach's system before this year even ends. So even if your playoff chances are lost, I think there's a merit in taking a look at you know, preparing these guys for next year. Because this is not a team that needs a rebuild. Like, that's not even a conversation. They don't need a full-on rebuild. You can ship your older pieces out, change the guard a bit, but I would argue that most of the pieces they need to rebuild, or whatever you want to call it, are already in the system. All right. Okay. Okay. So, real quick here. There are four games left for the Ducks before the All-Star game. Okay? So, the magic number could be 16 losses in a row. Could be. Could be. Oh my god! Uh, only one of these I will add is at home. Um, so in order, let's let's break this down. Uh, they are at uh, Minnesota uh, on the seventeenth. I'm I, I can't remember when we said we're the, the night this will come out. Yeah. Okay. So tonight they're they're in, in Minnesota. They're in Minnesota. Win or lose? They lose. They lose. They lose. Um, Saturday, uh, they are in New Jersey at what I will add is. One in the afternoon local time, so they lose. ten a.m. They lose. Okay, yeah, I agree. Um, the next night, so a back to back, they cross the they pond. Lose. They play. <laughs> they play the Islanders at what it would be noon in L.A. They play the Islanders. Yeah, they're gonna lose. Okay, the Islanders. The Islanders are rolling, man. Okay, and then their lone home game before the All Star game um, on the twenty third. They they host the St. Louis Blues. Ooh. I yeah, 
They might win. They that. could win. Yeah. Here's the thing. They got a shot of winning. Here's that. the thing. They might have a new coach by that point, so maybe we're talking about a whole different Ducks team. So yeah, whatever. One win in the next four. We're talking one in the last sixteen. That's great. Fantastic. Go Ducks. Go. You know what's awesome is uh, last week I played a guy in fantasy hockey, and uh, I have John Gibson and Carter Hart for goaltenders. Who you know, good goaltenders, and he has Casey DeSmith. And Darcy Kemper for goaltenders. So he's a backup goaltender, and then Darcy Kemper, who's, you know, fine. And uh, I had, like, three more starts in goalies than he had last week, and he beat me in wins because Carter Hart won a game, and Jod Gibson lost every single game he started. It's great. I have two great goaltenders on two terrible teams. It's fantastic. It's great. All right. So you think Carlisle's gone? Yeah, I don't understand why he's not already. Cool. So, I'm down. Um, well, here's another reason. Fuck, easy transitions this week. I will say one thing is I'm a little bit biased about Randy Carlisle. I don't like Randy Carlisle. I think he's really bad for young players. And case in point would be the next player we're going to talk about. Um, there's a little bit of a soft spot for me because a, a point of tension for my favorite team for years has been defenseman Jake Gardner. Of the Toronto Maple Leafs. For those of you who didn't see, Monday night, Toronto Maple Leafs played the Colorado Avalanche um, in what I will say was probably one of their worst games of the season. thought they were terrible from start to finish. Uh, I, I didn't like anything about their game. Um, you know, Mitch Marner, a lot of people would argue, is the best player on the team. Thought he was arguably the worst player on the ice on Monday night. John Tavares had his first just disastrous night as a Toronto Maple Leaf. He played terrible. Um, you know, Anderson was okay. wasn't great. <laughs> to, to quote Randy Carlisle, he was just okay. Um, but, you know, the biggest point of tension for Leaf fans was Jake Gardner. Um, had one play where he got out-muscled by, I think it was Carl Soderberg, to put the avalanche ahead. ahead. Yeah. It was a play where I thought Gardner was kind of getting held on, but it was deemed a clean play. Regardless, it was a hockey play that kind of resulted in Jake Gardner having the brunt end of it, and you know Colorado scored a nice goal. And what are you going to do? Uh, Jake Gardner proceeded to get booed for the rest of the game every time he touched a puck. Um, you're talking about your best possession defenseman in the end of his contract. That I might add is a pretty friendly cap hit for the value that you've been getting out of him for years and years and years. Um, a lot of people don't like Jake Gardner because when Jake makes a mistake, it's pretty evident. Uh, he's a defenseman that isn't overly physical. He's a defenseman who, um, he's, he's fast, but he's not overly agile. So when he gets beat in the corner corners, he kind of gets out, you know, he kind of gets out raced in, in short portions. Um, he makes it look ugly from time to time. I, I'll give fans that there, there are times where, um, you know, maybe it's our Gardner magnifying glass or maybe it's a legitimate gripe. Uh, but there are times where it looks worse than maybe it is. Regardless, I think it is unbelievably insane to boo a player that is currently on your team. For just about any reason. Like, if if he's on your team, I really don't understand how you could boo a guy for making a mistake at a sport that basically everyone in the crowd can't play at that level. Um, you know, I'm sure Daryl Sittler was hanging around there. Sure, he played in the NHL. I'm sure... Ray Ferraro was in the building, like there's another guy who played in the league. How many people were in the building that night that had played in the league 
and how many of them were booing? The answer is zero. So, to me, I, I think it's insane to pay $200, $300 a ticket to argue that because you paid $200, $300 a ticket, you can do whatever you want while you're there. Um, sure, you can. You're an idiot if you do that, though. So, that's my thought. Uh, what are your thoughts on being a Leaf fan in today's modern league where we can't enjoy anything that's nice? We're going to have fun here, aren't we? Oh, boy. Alright, so I, I will start this uh, very simply. I love Jay Gardner. Yeah, me too. I, I would argue, and that's the thing before, just to cut you off quickly, is when I say I'm biased, like, I would argue that Jake Gardner might be my favorite Leaf defenseman of all time. Um, I, I really, really like his game. I like what he brings to the game. I like the dude a lot. I think I think he's an awesome, awesome guy. Uh, I've never heard a bad thing from him, from teammates or coaches or anything. In nine years as a Leaf, I think he's handled himself really, really well. Not nine years, seven years. Sorry. Yeah, something like that. I, I like Jake Gardner. I, I, I've seen him at his lowest. I've seen him at his highest. I, I think there's a lot of things to love. I think the things that there are to love outweigh the things that there aren't to love. Um, I think he got out-muscled on a play in a hockey game. Um, I think the goalie allowed a goal that shouldn't have gone past the goalie. Yeah. I think the rest of the 22 guys on the ice didn't do enough to win the hockey game. Okay, so Jake Gardner made one bad play, and that's fair. It's going to happen from time to time. Uh, everyone makes bad plays. No one is perfect. There is not a ho- there is not a perfect hockey player. Where I disagree with you, if I'm a fan and I'm unhappy about something, I'm going to say something about it. And not all fans have a podcast or a Twitter account. <laughs> Or whatever else they have to... Sure seemed like they all had a Twitter account. Sure. You're right. It sure seemed like everyone okay. in the world... If I go to a hockey game and I don't like what I'm seeing, I'm going to boo. And if I like what I'm seeing, I'm going to cheer. So if, if you tell me that I shouldn't boo or I can't boo at a hockey game for my favorite team, then I think we have to level the playing field and tell me that I can't cheer. Tell me that I have to sit down in my seat, shut up, be quiet, drink my beer, watch the hockey game, wow. enjoy it, and then go home, and then and then I can bitch, or I can go on social media, isn't the whole or idea I can do whatever of, I can do. Isn't the whole idea of cheering for the team to support the team, though, at the same time? If the team's like, doing good things, then yeah, support the team. But if, if you don't, as a fan, oh, agree but Then you're a Fairweather with, fan. No, sure not you are. at all. Of course you are. If, if I'm a, if of I'm course a, you are. If Jake Gardner's I, making a mistake, and you're going to I him. like Jake Gardner. I'm not going to complain about Jake Gardner. If I don't like Jake Gardner, then I'm going to tell somebody about it. And if I'm at the hockey game, oh for sure, I'm gonna boo about it. I'm I'm not I'm and I get this that other fans think differently than me, and this is maybe a little outside the box. But if I'm booing at a hockey game, it's to to say something to management, say hey, I don't like what you're putting on the ice, fix it, find something better. I don't think that the Leafs are gonna find something better than Jake Gardner, but clearly, oh they're not. I'll some tell you right now, they're not. At the hockey game last night, felt that way. And if I'm Kyle Dubas, I'm looking at that and I'm saying. Gee, some people don't seem to like Jake Gardner. Um, maybe we won't resign him this summer. Maybe we'll move on from him. Maybe we won't be as good a hockey team because these people don't seem to understand what Jake Gardner brings to the team. But at the end of the day, if you're going to boo Jake Gardner and he's going to leave town, then you have to live with the consequences and you have to understand that next September when the Leafs put a roster out with six guys in the ice and one of them isn't Jake Gardner, that you were one of the reasons that Jake Gardner is not back in that top six. 
So when things get worse next wow. year on the back end... The problem is those fans are too stupid to realize that, though. And quite and, possibly. And, uh, look, I, I, I fundamentally disagree with, with booing someone who's currently on your own team. Um, I get the idea of, of not liking someone that's on your favorite team. There is a player that I've openly said on this podcast that I do not like on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I think he's not good at his job. He's better than I am at playing goal. I could tell you that, though, for sure. Um... But I, I think it's wrong to boo your own player in your in your rink. I, I don't understand the merit of it because the management is not going to listen to you. The only person who may listen to you is Jake Gardner. And he may say, fuck this, why should I put up with this? And, and yeah, you're right, he might leave town because of it. You know, I think, I think it takes a lot for a player to fuck up, for you to hate him so much that you need to drive him out of town. And I don't think Jake Gardner has really deserved no, that yes, level of hatred. Again, to me, it's someone who maybe is going out there and if you've got a Chris Simon on your team who's going out there and slashing guys in the face and getting suspended for 25 games. you got a Ryan Holweg who's running guys from behind and then slashing guys in the face. you got a fucking, you know what I mean, like a Marchand. Someone who does things maybe that you don't agree with their values in terms of hockey. But, like, at the end of the day, if you're booing a guy because he makes a mistake every five to eight games, like... How big are these mistakes? Do you th- like? What do you think they are? Yeah. And, and, and and you know, not to get in a huge leap discussion, like this is where I come in and and kind of say like, Mitch Marner does the same fucking thing. Like William Nylander does the same thing. Every player on that team fucks up every night, actually. And you know, we don't boo any of them, and we don't get excited about any of them, because Jake plays a position that's more magnifiable as is, like, goaltending, rather than a forward, he gets recognized because he's the only other defenseman that really moves the puck besides Riley. And he's just not quite as efficient as Riley sometimes. Yeah. I I think it's insane to boo the guy, and I I, I don't agree with booing your own player. Because I've never been more annoyed at spending money on anything, as I was, and as I've mentioned on the podcast, watching Jonathan Bernier play the worst game of probably his career, not even, (laughs) when I was there. I didn't boo the guy. I wanted him out of the net. I would have paid to see fucking Garrett Sparks play his first NHL appearance right then, which in hindsight is a hilarious thing. But I think it's insane to boo your own player. I agree that when you pay money, you expect certain things, and... But if if I go to a I restaurant and I don't like my meal, I'm not going to gonna sit that. there and eat it and deal with it and go home and then right. bitch about it. I'm going to return my meal. I'm going to say something. I'm, like, I'm hey. not going to go in the ki- in the kitchen and tell the guy he's a fucking loser and, and boo him. No though. one went in the dressing room and told Jake Gardner he's an idiot. Kind of, but booing no, him is the same idea I though. I don't, I don't see it. That so way. I'm going to boo and hiss when I'm in the restaurant and tell yes. the chef that like, I'm going to complain. Tell him my, he's I'm a fucking asshole. Complain to my server. Hey, can you think it's aggressive? Can you please tell the kitchen staff that I did not enjoy my meal? Can I get something else? Can you get the manager over here? Hey, like, I don't know. I agree with it. Like, I'm not saying it was warranted last night. This is a bad time to bring up the fact that I enjoy the fact that fans can boo at a hockey game because I don't think it was warranted last night. But I don't like the argument that we shouldn't be booing Jake Gardner because you shouldn't be booing at hockey games. No, you shouldn't be booing I didn't say you shouldn't be booing at hockey games. You you shouldn't. Okay, you shouldn't be booing at your own players on your hockey team. Listen, if they let in that goal... And you want to boo that moment? I'm okay with that. I think it's ridiculous to boo the guy every time he touches a puck, though. 
Yeah, and I don't. That that's for yeah. that's for every different. I, I don't like, know. I, I, I don't think the play warranted the response it got. I don't think Jake Gardner warranted the response he got. But I respect the fact that fans can get upset. They show emotion. They're allowed to voice their opinion, just as I'm voicing my opinion here on the podcast to someone listening at home right now that probably doesn't agree with what I'm saying. Maybe they do, and I don't know. It's it's for me. There are two different issues. Jake Gardner shouldn't have got booed last night, but you should be allowed to boo. And there's a time for it. There's a place for it. It wasn't last night. That's that's where my issue lies. I think. Sure. Lay off Jake Gardner, Leaf fans, because we're going to lose them in a few months. And well, eh, I, I think we're done here. I, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't get that because if you're saying lay off Jake Gardner, like they're voicing their frustration over the past years and years and years of mistakes, though. So, like, you're kind of agreeing with them, though. No, by I saying don't, that I don't booing agree, him is fine. I don't every agree time with touches why they in his own building. Night. I don't agree with because it wasn't. He wasn't being booed the game before that. For game seven of 2013, he wasn't getting booed the game before that for game seven of last year. He got booed last night because Man. Carl Soderberg beat him on the play. I feel like I'm talking to a fucking Trump fan right now. Easy but anyway, here we are. Um, okay, what well, question of the week? It's time for the question of the week. We got a question of the week, and we got one I, of those, I guess eh? this is a this is also a conversation. Maybe um, the question of the week came this week from one Kyle Hogan, uh, who wants to know. Who is the team that falters after this year's All-Star break? There's always a team who's in a playoff picture at the All-Star break um, who maybe misses the playoffs after the All-Star break. Who's the team that misses? Who's the team that goes in because of it? Now, the interesting thing about this question is uh, since we got this question, there's been a large development in the playoff race that's gotten a little out of hand, and there's like a nine-way tie in the West now. Uh, for the final wild card spot, so like it's hard to declare like Minnesota's a playoff team, but are they a playoff team? Like they're in a four-way tie. So um, maybe what we'll do is ignore that final wild card spot spot in the West and say, is there anyone else in a playoff spot we could see missing the playoffs, like a, an Islanders, uh, you know, a Bruins? I think the Dallas Stars fall out of the playoff spot. Okay. I think that there's just too much coming through. Um, you kind of alluded to it a little bit. Um, I think the Wild are poised to overtake them for third in the Central. And I think once that happens, uh, there's a few other teams within striking distance of the Stars that could uh, kick them out of that wild card spot. If I had to pick one today, I'm probably going with the Anaheim Ducks because... Lord help me, they fire that coach in the next little while and find someone that can get this team back on well, track once they get their injuries figured out. John Gibson's in net. I don't have a habit of betting against John Gibson. So To be honest with you, like, and, th- and that's what makes this conversation unique, I don't think there's a team in the like out of the playoff picture that's even close to as good as Anaheim. Like, I think Anaheim is way better than most of these teams. Um... You know, Vancouver, maybe if they have a goaltender, if they trade for a Bobrovsky, yeah, you've got a case there maybe then. You know what I mean? Maybe Vancouver makes it. Um, you know, Carolina, if they manage to add Tarasenko and it goes well, yeah, they might have a case against the Ducks. But I agree with you. I think if the Ducks, uh, I think if the Ducks fire their coach, you're looking at a playoff team for sure. 
If the Ducks don't fire their coach, then it's a, it's a different ball game. So basically, my answer, like you, sort of hinges on Randy Carlisle. Let's say they fire him. I think the Ducks make the playoffs. I'm going to say Colorado misses it. Um, granted, what they did to the Toronto Maple Leafs on Monday night, uh, good for them. But I don't I don't think that's a playoff team. I, I think a one line team, you know, you could take advantage of those other three lines enough. I think to counteract that that first line, certain teams. Um, so I think they lose enough games moving there. Uh, but if Anaheim doesn't fire Carlisle, I mean, I still take Colorado to miss, but I'm taking Arizona. I think Arizona might do it. I don't know. They got a lot of ground to catch. I think Arizona's done enough. You're talking about them passing four teams ahead of them, plus whoever falls out. Yeah, I mean, the thing with those four teams, though, is we're not talking about four like great teams, and they're only four points behind. Uh, yeah, the way the loser point, I, works it's not going to be easy. Day, I'm not saying it's I, yeah, easy. I, I I'm just know. saying I, I think uh, I think they're a good enough team that they can do it. And I mean, they're one of those teams that's getting bit by the injury bug so hard. Like they're they're missing really key pieces, and no Schmaltz doesn't help. So, um, but I don't know. I think they can do it. I think if Galchenyuk really finds his game there, and uh, I don't know, I'll take Arizona. Yeah, I mean. Or Anaheim. The Wild and Kings are in a shootout right now. If the Wild win that pass Dallas... Well, I guess they've already passed Dallas because they got the loser point. So, uh, at the end of the day, Dallas has slipped out of the third spot. In, I have Minnesota at 47 points. I have them at um, 47. Yeah, no, you're right. My yeah. mistake. No, they don't pass Dallas. End <laughs> of that point. Yeah. yeah. You're making a lot of good points tonight here, aren't you? Uh, I'm making a few. Well... Maybe let's uh, let's switch to something. Our final activity that we will agree on. Well, we won't agree, no, on we it, won't. but I mean, like you but know, we'll we'll it'll be more fun. Everyone will get along. Yeah, we won't uh, we won't be so angry. Uh, this week, our topic for our top ten is we are going to compare our list of our top ten favorite commentators of all time of any sport, and uh, so it sort of frees you up. To, to branch out of hockey and you know what I mean get away from some of these annoying Americans so yeah our top 10 favorite commentators of all time each James you have the honors oh thank you that uh, <clears throat> uh, number 10 for me Bill Clement yeah eh? yeah I like Bill Clement he gets you, you know. The, the the you know, I grew up my whole life playing the EA Sports video games. He For you millennials, a- yeah, he was the play-by-play, or sorry, the color guy on uh, EA Sports games before Doc Emmerich and Eddie Olchek and Ray Ferraro came in. Wow, now hang on a second. Doc Emmerich was around for 989 Sports back in the late 90s. So he was technically first to the video game commentary scene. Oh, before he came into EA Sports, what I'm saying. Ah, uh, EA Sports, yeah. yes. Uh, so before he came into there... Uh, after Jim Hewson, which is just sad to look on that we could have had Jim Hewson doing those games. But yeah, Bill Clement, pretty good uh, play-by-play guy, play in the league, or sorry, color guy. I keep saying play-by-play, he's a color guy. And I I didn't know if I, I don't know if I clarified, fuck. (laughs) We're doing, we're doing color or play-by-play. Just someone who's involved with the main broadcast of the game. Must have uh, worked... It's not like a sideline guy, we're not talking like Craig Sager here. Must have worked more than one NHL game as, as... Alluding to why Snoop Dogg does not appear on either of our lists. Right, but, yeah, no, yeah. Snoop Snoop will be on the revised two version. two-game minimum. So. Re- Snoop will be on the revised version. So, yeah. Tempt, my, uh, ten, Bill Clinton. My number ten is uh, Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth. 
You know, you can't hear the slide. Now, here's a guy. Oh, man, I love Chris Collinsworth. The reason I love Chris Collinsworth, and I think I've said it before on the podcast, Chris Collinsworth sounds like he's a combination of uh, someone who's got a little bit of honey stuck in his mouth and a guy who's been given a very mild sedative before every broadcast. Like, he just seems like he's on uppers all the time. A little he's bit of honey? He's super relaxed. He's got, he's got the painkillers, like, going through the, going through the blood. He's just having a great time. He's happy to be there. He loves every player. He loves every coach. He loves every fan. He loves everybody. Right. He loves Al Michaels. Wow. And him and Al Michaels are a great team. But let me let me tell you, I'm there for Collinsworth. All right. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, well, You're number nine there. Number nine. Um, Rick Jenneret. Nice. Buffalo Sabres. That's fair. Yeah. May Day. May Day. Um, did we end up talking about Rick Jenneret? We did. Leaving the game, yeah. Yeah, we did. Um so he's doing well he is yeah he's he's back i believe he's calling games again and um yeah if you're a buffalo sabers fan or if even if you're a a fan of a team that maybe plays the buffalo sabers quite frequently from time to time such as a cross-border rival as my leafs you've gotten to know the voice rick jenneret it's a unique voice um and he's he's not one of those like play-by-play guys that that focuses on one team where he's like a clear-cut homer He'll he'll admit when the Sabers are shit. Like he he knows it. Yeah, and I, I respect that. Yeah, his goal calls are very Saber centric, right? Like if the Sabers get scored against, he doesn't get fucking super excited. But when they score, he gets excited. But you're right, he does. He is like yeah. he's a good guy. He's one of those guys you got to know you're watching a Sabers guy. But at the end of the day, he doesn't like overwhelm you with yeah. Saber yeah, stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Except for the, the color guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Another guy I would say it's good for that. My number nine, Joe Bowen. Nice. I think Joe Bowen, I mean, obviously he's very Leaf-centric. He does 82 Leaf games a year, either on radio or television. Uh, he's done that for years and years and years. He, But Joe Bowen is a guy, like, he'll get excited when the other team scores. He'll call the game the way it is. But he's a Leafs guy, everyone knows that. Like, in and out. Joe Bowen is very good for those just sort of eccentric sort of calls. Um... I think I've, I can't remember if I've said it on the podcast, but yours and I, one of the favorite things he's ever said was it was one time Ian White played the puck behind his net and it was being forechecked by Keith Kachuk of the then St. Louis Blues. Joe Bowen says White plays the puck away from Kachuk, his numerical counterpart. I don't think he even says he's, he doesn't even say Kachuk. No, yeah, he just says from away from his, from nu- his numerical, numerical counterpart. Yeah. And it's why, yeah, why, like, just say Kachuk. He assumed everyone knew who Kachuk was. It was great. Yeah. I don't know. Joe Bowen's the man. Uh, the voice of the Leafs growing up for me. and uh, Well, one of them anyway. And yeah. Cool. I love Joe Bowen. Uh, number eight for me. And may I add, picking up to swing a hot bat. Ooh. Baseball's own Buck Martinez. Yeah, Buck's awesome. Yeah. I'll um, admit a long time I didn't like Buck because I'm not a yeah. Blue Jays guy, but... He's awesome. Buck, he's weird. Like, And that's the thing that I love about him. Is... Oh, he's weird, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, For those that don't know, he is the uh, lead play-by-play guy for the Toronto Blue Jays, who uh, I guess you could say grew to prominence when the Blue Jays came back to you know uh, some form of respectability there for a couple of years. Uh, people that watch he's really baseball. settled into that role over the yeah. past few years, and that's the thing. Like he he's been there for so long, but people didn't really realize like how I guess amusing he was because the who cared about the Blue Jays prior to 2016, um, to the point where he was he was the color guy 
for the World Series along next to uh, Matt Vaskersian. Um He's just got yeah, a way was, about him. He's it was got a, weird a duo. He's got a he's got a way. He's got a a, a pitch that just <laughs> just hits you. And he played the game. He knows the game. There's no denying that. But his his delivery is just something else. This two-two pitch to Ezekiel Carrera. Carrera's been swinging a hot bat as of late. He hit two ninety-six over his last twelve games. That's not a hot bat. <laughs> my my other favorite <laughs> thing about Mike Martinez is like he'll he'll tell a story and then like immediately after a story's done. I think that was the year I broke my leg. Oh like, man! <laughs> it's always the year the be- he broke his what, leg. What was the story like? Uh, who who does he normally? He's with Dan Schulman, but who else is he with sometimes? Paul Pat Ma- Tabler. Pat Tabler. Yeah. And Tabler tells a story, and uh, he's like, "Buck, didn't you play in that game?" And Buck's just like, "Yeah, that was the, the game." <laughs> Yeah, he had he had the big three three game had three home runs in the same game. Uh, Buck, you were in that game, weren't you? That's the game I broke my leg, Pat. <laughs> I remember home run number one, but uh, everything after that, I was in the hospital for. Oh fuck! Oh, he's great. Yeah. Oh, Buck Martinez, number eight. That's that's fair. He doesn't make my list, but that's good. Um, okay, so I'm going real hard off the board here with my number eight. It's not hockey either. I'm going to have to explain to everyone listening to this, because I know 100% no one knows who this is. My number eight is Murray Walker. Murray Walker is the former voice of Formula One racing for probably about 30 years. Murray Walker was well known for being an incredibly enthusiastic, but also possibly to a fault, an incredibly outspoken person on the air. He would at times say that things are bullshit and, like, freak out about certain rules and stuff. But the fact of the matter is, is that at the same time, Murray Walker was so good at his job, like, he was legitimately Bob Cole of Formula One racing. Like, he he is, without a doubt, the voice of Formula One racing. And uh, Murray is actually 96 years old. He is still living and still kind of involved in formula one he's still he'll still come and and talk about things every once in a while uh i i I, let me tell you something go and youtube murray walker after the end of this podcast to try and hear some of the the things that he used to say how excited he used to get he was a phenomenal announcer and i uh i uh i wish him well credit where credit's due too because like f1 is hard to get excited about there's I, i it's racing like things happen fast but not a lot of changes. You gotta remember too. He did it a lot at the at the eighties and nineties, where there was you know not so much now, where it's like I'm sure enough of you have seen TSN and it's like Lewis Hamilton wins this week. Two weeks later, Lewis Hamilton wins again, and a month later, Lewis Hamilton wins again. It's like Lewis Hamilton wins every fucking race. It feels like, and you know, or if it's not him, it's Sebastian Vettel. Like he did in the eighties and nineties, where there were dominant racers, but all the cars were kind of even. It wasn't like all the teams were. You know what I mean? It wasn't a hierarchy or whatever like it is now, and. uh yeah, so, like, races were closer, there were way more rivalries and things like that, uh, some fights in the pit lane, you know, that's good stuff, you gotta like it. I love, I, I grew up on Formula One racing, and Murray Walker's one of the voices of my childhood, I would say. Even though he was calling things bullshit at, like, 7am on a Sunday morning, it's great. We're gonna see what happened, he felt the wheel loosening up, and the result of it was he ran wider and wider, the wheel goes past him, into the gravel trap, Fortunately, it's hit by, it goes over, over the, into the crowd. 
Oh my goodness, I do hope that nobody was hurt with that. It would have been travelling at tremendous speed. I had a wheel hit me in Spain years ago. It hit me a glancing blow and I knew all about it. Uh, number seven for me, and this is more of, I, I, I just enjoyed the sound of his voice. Al Chris Michaels. Collin. Oh, okay. Oh, well, same idea. Yeah. Al Michaels. Yeah. Um, like, for me, my first introduction to Al Michaels was obviously his uh, work in the 1980 Olympics with the... Uh, you mean his work in Miracle. Yeah. Uh, it w- to which he came back to re-record his own recordings for that movie, <laughs> which I thought was kind of impressive. But, um, like, not much of a football guy, but I've, I've heard his work in football it's you know what you're getting like he knows the business he's very very good at what he does he might be the best football announcer i've ever heard um, I, w- I would say he's the best play-by-play guy yeah for sure and i go like, back like, i've got a play-by-play guy football that i prefer more that makes my list but i would say al is yeah. the best and and you go back to, to like i said where, where it all began for me and and he got tabbed to do the hockey commentary for the 1980 olympics because he was literally the only person working for NBC at the time that had ever called a hockey game. So they put him on every hockey game. And for a guy to come out and and not only like do a, a good job, but it's also like, come with one of the greatest calls in the history of the sport. It's like getting getting Murray Walker to do a bike race because he's called races before. <laughs> exactly. It was wild. The Olympics. And, and, it's, he, he That's a bloody of, slow race, let me tell you. <laughs> he, uh, I do he, a good Murray it. Walker. He's got it. So yeah, no, I agree. Al Michaels, he, he's probably the best in the game. So that's a good choice. My number seven is Craig Simpson, color uh, color guy for Jim Houston's broadcasts on CBC Saturday Night Hockey Night in Canada's. Uh, he also do some of the Sunday Night um, Hometown Hockey broadcasts. Craig Simpson, obviously a former player in the league, a very high draft pick, former Edmonton Oiler. I love Craig Simpson's analysis of the game. I think he's very calm, very collective. He has never made a bad point that I've ever heard. I I love Craig Simpson. I th- I think he he's not like over the top. He's not enthusiastic. He doesn't like get his emotions involved in the game. He's just very analytical and very clear about the point he wants to make. And and I think he's really really good. I don't think he gets enough recognition. Uh, Craig Simpson's my number seven. There you go. Number six, a name that we've already heard for me, uh, Joe Bowen. Joe Bowen. Um, you alluded to it. He is the voice <coughs> of Maple Leaf Hockey for a long time. I feel like there's going to be some re- time. repeats coming up I here probably. I think we are getting to a stage where it's this might start re- to go pretty quick. Repeat season. But uh, just for me to add a, f- a few quick notes about Joe Bowen from my own perspective, um, my two favorite things about him is that he uh, inspired the call for the handle of my uh, favorite uh, you know sports writer down goes brown uh, back in the 93 playoffs and uh, beyond that um, I get a kick out of still to this day hearing what he comes up with when announcing <laughs> the starting goaltenders uh, the protectors of the padded pencil like he just comes up with these yeah weird he, he he does he does like an incredible alliteration to exactly. announce the starting goaltenders every night and yeah eh, the guardians sometimes of the gilded cages graces so, yeah, yeah i don't know sometimes they don't make as much sense but like but like they're pretty good they're clever yeah it's interesting it's fantastic yeah that's, that's a good choice my number six is the voice i would argue of, of american hockey in the 90s and early 2000s gary thorne uh gary thorne is also known as a pretty prominent baseball announcer after he left hockey 
Gary Thorne has done it all, man. Like yeah, he's done true. a few other sports too. I'm forgetting Versatile. about. Versatile. He he is fantastic, and I really wish I could go back and appreciate him more on the NHL games because man, oh man, was I ever sick of hearing his voice? And now it's Doc Emmerich, and it's nothing against Doc, uh. but like I would, I miss Gary Thorne. I wish Gary Thorne would still do that, but he was fantastic. He's uh, voiced our intro many, many times on the podcast and will continue to do so. I have to be spoiler alert on that one. Yeah. Uh, Gary Thorne. Number five for me, Ray Ferraro. Mm. Oh, boy. He's probably the best color guy in the game of hockey at this point. He might be the greatest color guy in the what? history of hockey. Well, that's a hot take there, James. <laughs> at this point. Um... There is a reason EA Sports said no thanks to Pierre Maguire when they brought over um, uh, Doc and Eddie and added Ray Ferraro as the guy between the benches. You're saying you don't like Pierre? I don't like Pierre. But up, up, Doc and Eddie, let me tell you, Joe Thornton, 1992. I'll take a little bit more of a abysmal uh, than I will <laughs> Doc and Eddie. So, uh, Ray Ferraro makes the top five for me. Cool. My number five, Gordon Miller. Frequent broadcast partner of Ray Ferraro. Um, I gotta tell you, you know, Gord didn't make my list, but until I saw those Sobe commercials a hundred times tonight with Cassie Campbell. Cassie, are you shopping? He made my list. I played a win. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Fuck, those are bad commercials. Uh, No, I love Gord Miller. He's the voice of the World Juniors. He's the voice of some of my favorite hockey moments in history. Uh, Gord is a phenomenal play-by-play guy. Uh, which is really interesting because for years and years and years he was strictly just like a desk guy for uh, TSN. And what I also find so fascinating about Gord is Gord also does like the trade centers and the free agent frenzies, which is really bizarre for a play-by-play yeah, guy. Yeah, you're not wrong. But he's also kind of an insider, which is like really neat. Like Gord Miller is like an underrated, respected member of the hockey community, and uh, yeah, I love Gord Miller. Yeah, my that's, number that's five. Fair. My number four. What four? Yeah, four. Jim Hewson. Nice. Um, the heir apparent to CBC. He is the go-to guy for Hockey Night in Canada at this point. Of course, we alluded to earlier about the fact that he did uh, the EA Sports franchise for a few years, and uh, you know who. It's who? not like I hate Doc, but man, oh man, am I missing Gary Thorne and Jimmy Hew- Jimmy Houston yeah, on those no games? It'd be, it'd be sick if they could do like a, an alternating system, but it's so hard to do the who, uh, for those things. Who, who could forget great save Belfour as part of my childhood? Yeah, so. he he's a big Luongo fan. That's yeah, that's true. Sure. Yeah, he, there is a YouTube video again. If you kids are looking to go on YouTube tonight after you're done looking up Murray Walker, uh, look up Jim Houston, Roberto Luongo because there's like a six minute montage of just. Yep. Houston calling Luongo saves. It's great. It's fantastic. Because he used to just strictly do Vancouver games, right? So like in early, yeah, yeah, early in his career, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good choice. That was your number four. Number four. My number four is Ray Ferraro. Nice. My favorite color guy in sports. Yeah, uh, for sure. He's the best. Uh, he's my last color guy on this list. Also has I, a podcast, as do we. Yeah, his podcast is kind of interesting because he does it over the phone every week and sometimes the audio is real fucking bad. Like, you remember, uh, you guys remember our Burner episode? Yeah, it's that audio. Yeah. It's, the <laughs> it's the same kind of audio. But uh, the content's good anyway. Ray's got a lot of interesting things to say. I know a lot of people don't really like Ray Ferraro and, and one thing I will say against Ray uh, as a color guy is that, you know, he does maybe get his opinion involved a little bit too much, but he's a really opinionated guy and I respect the hell out of that too. So, he's um, rarely wrong. 
Yeah, that's another thing, too. I almost never disagree with if, them. If you're opinionated but you're right, then what's the problem? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I agree with him. I agree with him. He knows what he's talking about. The guy yeah. scored 408 goals in the National Hockey League. That's so, like, he knows what he's talking about. Go, go Thrashers. Yeah, so, Ray Ferraro, uh, number four, seems like a guy I'd love to have a beer or glass of wine with, for sure. Maybe a chicken parm. Because his nickname yeah. was Chicken Parm. You got it. it. You get it? Uh, number three for me, you've already mentioned him, Gord Miller. Nice. Um, just countless memories of him calling World Junior Games. Oh, I'm about to sue another guy for you. Can you believe it? Yeah. Uh, I can, Gord. Yeah, thanks. Up, up. Gord, thanks. I can believe it. If only we had Ray it, work Gord. in that game. What could have been? Um, yeah, Gord Miller. Just uh, steady Eddie. He's 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 got a voice. And, like, there's, there's, yeah. some, there's some guys that know the game. There's some guys that can keep up with the game. Gord Miller, he just has a voice. And he Gord- maybe, maybe he doesn't know the game the best. Maybe he doesn't. He never played the game. But he's got... He's got that announcer. He's he's the media guy. You talked about how he hosts certain um, trade uh, deadline, free agent frenzy type situations. He's just he's he's one of those guys. He's 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 got it. So a couple things with Gord that I will I will on to your point. You know I know what you mean not knowing the best, not knowing the game the best because maybe he didn't play it kind of thing. Gord really has good points too, which is kind of interesting. Like I find Gord does his homework more than most announcers. Like, he just knows points to make, things to talk about. There's very rarely, like, dead air in a Gord Miller broadcast, which is not the case with a lot of other announcers. There's a lot of time where they gotta, like, fucking try to find a way to fill some silence, and it's just terrible. They say the wrong thing. You know, one one of the only reasons why Paul Romanuk didn't make my list is because Paul kind of often says, like, things that are wrong. And it's like, ah, oh, Paul, like, I know, I know your voice is real nice and sultry, but... Yeah. I don't know right. if sultry is the word for Paul Romanuk, yeah, but it's sexual for the podcast. Thank yeah. you. Nice sultry voice. My number three is Chris Cuthbert, uh, former voice of the Western broadcasts on Hockey Night in Canada. He's now a TSN uh, announcer. Chris was the voice of my stress-free hockey games as a child, where the Leafs would end on Saturday night, win or lose, and then I could sit back and watch Chris Cuthbert call the Edmonton Oilers. Or call the Vancouver Canucks the Calgary Flames. And it was just... Chris is so good at his job. And he doesn't get enough credit. Like, like Chris... The golden goal call in 2010. Like, yeah, he probably had thought about what he would say in that moment. But he did such a good job in that moment when Crosby scored that goal of... of you know what I mean? Articulating that moment, being the voice of that moment... Um, I didn't actually see the game live. I'm one of uh, 45 people in Canada that actually didn't watch that game. But, you know, I've watched it back. He did such a good job there. He's done such a good job on every Western broadcast for years and years and years. He's incredible at his job, and, and I love Chris Cuthbert. That's you? fair. Um, I'll just get this out of the way by saying number two is Chris Cuthbert <laughs> for me. Um, you had a feeling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, might be one of the best pure announcers sports has ever seen. Like where Gord Miller has a voice, CFL Cuthbert, guy too worth noticing. Worth yeah, knowing. exactly. CFL Chris guy. Cuthbert just has the drive. He's got that. He's got a voice, but he's also got something more. You know, like he he brings every every night is something special. If if you're watching a hockey game, maybe it's your first time watching a hockey game. Maybe it's your 
millionth time watching a hockey game, and Chris Cuthbert is going to talk to you. Games. He's going to talk to you like as if you're a first time watcher or that millionth time watcher, and you'll just be able to understand what he's talking about. You'll be able to relate to what he's talking about, and you know he's a veteran. He's a pro. He was born to be an announcer in sports. He's so. got a great voice. Yeah, great voice. He gets. Uh, uh, the fun thing about Chris Cuthbert being the voice of just strictly Western hockey when you're an Eastern viewer is that like Chris Cuthbert gets real excited at like twelve thirty at night for you, but uh, whatever, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Like <laughs> we got a good old fashioned fashion Western shootout. It's like fuck, I gotta work at seven in the morning. <laughs> it's like what are, what are you getting all excited about, yeah. Chris? Yeah, he's great. Uh, my number two, and uh, my number two is Joe Buck. <laughs> It's probably worth noting that Joe Buck is my number two. You have to consider that I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. You have to consider that Joe Buck's been the voice of the Boston Red Sox playoff games since, like, 2004. So, you know, I've heard him call four World Series for us. Joe Buck has been the voice of many Patriots Super Bowls. He's called a lot of, or like, a couple of my teams winning the championships a lot of times. And so, yeah, I'm a little partial to Joe Buck. That the on the other hand, Joe Buck does an incredible job in October of every year when Joe Buck will go from Los Angeles for a uh, baseball game, and then he'll fly to you know let's say New England for a football game, and the next night he's back in Los Angeles for a baseball game, and then the Wednesday night he's in Minnesota. For a, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, well, he wouldn't be there for a baseball game in October. But. <laughs> Go Twins! <laughs> He's in, uh, you know, Cleveland for a baseball game on the Wednesday night and then the Thursday night. And then, you know, he's back to L.A. the, the Friday, the Saturday. And then he's in wherever for a football game on Sunday. Like, Joe Buck is so, there's like so much traveling involved for that guy. Uh, and he does such a good job with both football and hockey, or so and baseball. And he also calls golf every once in a while. Like Joe Buck is everywhere. He calls everything, and like him or hate him, because apparently people hate him. Uh, he does a great job. So Joe Buck's my number two. There you go. All right, we're here. Number All right, one. Our number one. My number one. <laughs> our our um, number one. I grew up a uh, Leaf fan my whole life. Um, so I'm sure you know what's coming. I've seen a lot of hockey games where this guy's called games. Uh, Jack Edwards. <coughs> um, <laughs> so Jack Edwards, I was watching. Well, yeah. So first off, just to stop everyone from having a heart attack, our answer is not Jack Edwards. But on New Year's Day, or New Year's Eve, sorry, I was working, and Jack Edwards was calling, I think they were playing the Predators. And maybe it, was, maybe it wasn't New Year's Day, but it was around New Year's. The Bruins are playing the Predators, and Jack Edwards, like, Eckholm made a cross-check, and he didn't get a penalty, but it was, like, just kind of one of those, like, trying to, like, hold the guy into the boards, and he just kind of fell. Like, it looked like a cross-check from behind. And, like, after the play's over, they're analyzing, and Jack Edwards like, yeah, Matias Eckholm, well-known for being one of the dirtiest players in the league, and it's like, holy fuck, you announced Brad Marchand for 82 games a year. What are you talking about, Matias Eckholm? Matias Eckholm's not even the dirtiest guy in the fucking Nashville Predators. What are you talking about? 
Jack wow. Edwards is terrible. I've never hit an announcer. He's so bad. Jack oh, Edwards. God. We could agree on that. Hey, hey high five, buddy. Jack hey. Edwards. Fuck Jack Edwards. And I think we announced, uh, we agree on number one as well. So. Yeah, our number one's Bob Cole. Bob Cole. Bob Cole. Oh, um, baby. Listen, the voice of me getting into hockey. Bob Cole's part of the reason why I love hockey the way oh, I do. Uncle Bob. Yeah, he, he. Bob Cole was the voice of every Saturday night for me as a child and, and as a probably. As an early teenager, anyway, once I discovered alcohol, I didn't watch every Saturday night game. But, you know, Bob Cole's been the voice of, you know, the greatest Leaf moments that I remember. Like, I'll go as far to say that. Like, even still, as good as they are now, you know, Corey Cross scoring an OT winner still trumps anything they've done to me right now. You know what I mean? Gary Roberts scoring in triple overtime. Matt Sundin tying the game against the Hurricanes, only to lose the game, but... Whatever. Thanks, Jeff. You know, Steve Thomas's 30,000 overtime winners in the playoffs that he scored for the Leafs. Like, the list goes on and on of everything. Matt Sundin's 500th goal. Bob Cole was part of me learning to love the Leafs. He part was, of me learning yeah. to love hockey. And he wasn't even part of, like, for me, he wasn't even, like, the Leaf guy. He he was hockey. Yeah. You, you go back, he called every single Cup final going back to, I think it was 76. Okay, until last year. Yeah, yeah, I'm and assuming you're right. He's got, he had the uh, the, the series against the Soviets, so they're they're going home. And before that, he was on the radio. He was the heir apparent to Foster Hewitt. The guy is what 89, 88 years old now. He's, I think he's 88. Yeah. He's he's on his final season. He's got two Leaf games, two games. Yeah, one more now. They did the Sens game already. Maybe not. I, I thought I thought the Rangers was his second oh home game. He's, second last oh, home okay. game. He's, no, got, he's got a he, few. The Rangers. He's play, they, they do the Sens and he's got the Canes at the end of the year. Yeah. But uh, you go back like Martin Lemieux in, in the in the Seneca Finals against the North, uh, the North Stars. You know what a move, what a goal, Lemieux. And every year since it's 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 it was Stanley Cup Finals. It's Bob Cole. Um, and and you're right. The the affirmation with the Leafs there for so long. I think what helped, too, was the fact that you've got a guy like Bob Cole who just seemed to have it and know what was going on and be so good at what he did, paired with a guy like Harry Neal, who... I was shocked Harry oh Neal didn't make your list. God, I, thought, like, I thought you were going to throw him in there, honestly. He would. He, Harry Neal would come out with a comment, and Bob, wait, knowing... Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Okay. So, okay. do you want to be Harry or I'll be Bob? And then I'll, and then I'll, 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 be I'll do Bob. I'll okay. do Bob? Yeah. Okay. So you make a call, then I'll, I'll be Harry. All right. So, all right. And the puck is flipped down into the Leafs, and here the Leafs are on their heels. And Berg glassing out down the ice. That's going to be icing. That's not really the one, the play you want to make if you're Aki Berg, because icing means that the faceoff will now come back to your zone. And so you'll have to win the faceoff and get it out all over again. Right you are, Harry. <laughs> Like, Harry Neal was the first Captain Obvious. Yeah, the, like, <laughs> and good on Bob for putting up with oh, that shit for so long God. and just going along with oh it, understanding. Yeah, maybe maybe there's some five-year-old watching this for the first time that <laughs> didn't know that that's the call and Harry Neal has informed yeah. them, and, and I'm just going to agree with him. Harry, Neal was, Harry Neal was hockey for dummies. Oh, it was God. great. Like, as if they wrote a book and put the book on tape. On with with Bob Cole on Saturday nights for thirty fucking years. That's a big save by Joseph. 
And Curtis Joseph's actually the goaltender for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, he's a free agent next summer, but right now he's in Toronto. That's not wrong, Harry. You are <laughs> hitting on all cylinders. Oh, God. Poor Harry Neal. But yeah, Bob Cole. Yeah, is uh, is number one. And even even, even yeah. with Bob Cole, like it's worth mentioning before we finish up here, is Bob Cole, the voice of the O2 Olympics, which was a huge hyped up moment where Canada not won gold on a best on best for for a long long time, yeah. and, and that has got to be it. Joe Sakic showed up for that game. I don't know if you kids remember that. A little bit. Yeah, Joe yeah, Sakic, uh, the the genius of Joe Sakic. So. Uh, yeah, Bob Cole, collective number one there. We we came to terms on that, so that's Beautiful. the good news. Yeah. Okay, that's it for Laced Up this week. Follow us on Stitcher, on Apple, on Google Podcasts, Lumper. Spotify. What else am I missing? Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Love us in your programs. Number... <laughs> Seven in your programs, number one in your hearts. Yeah. All right. Cool. You're going home. You got anything to plug? Uh, actually, I, for the first time, I do. Um, <laughs> it only took you six months to. <laughs> but uh, what can you tell us, James? I. <laughs> I have an article out. Uh, it uh, dropped yesterday. It's all about whether or not the St. Louis Blues should trade Vladimir Tarasenko at the deadline um, based on the year they're having. And then uh, it turns out I found out that they're actually within striking distance of the playoffs today. So yeah. I guess it's not a great read now, but <laughs> yesterday it was okay. So <laughs> check it I out. I found Puck out. 77. Oh, it should be a good article. I found out that they're close to a playoff spot. <laughs> The other day, yeah. after the article had been written and released and yeah. edited, and it's amazing, Josh having, didn't Josh didn't tell you that it's like hey, you know a terrible season. Oh yeah, by the way, they're three points out. Oh shit. Oh All well. Right. Well, what are you gonna do? Since we're out early this week, we should be out on the Friday next week. Uh, don't expect a Thursday. Yeah, don't episode. get excited here, folks. If it happens uh, again, we'll let you know. But it yeah. uh, it uh, don't anticipate it happening again next week. What I will say though uh, is either next week or the week after. There more than likely will be a very light hockey version of Laced Up. It's probably going to be a little more of a, you know, general fun stuff. Oscar season. Oscar season. Yeah, we will do a bonus episode of just strictly that. And I am working to get a copy of Mystery Alaska so we can do the movie commentary of that for you. Kurt Russell. Yep. It's uh, not as easy as I thought it would be to get a copy of that film. Not shocking. No, not shocking. Okay, that's laced up. See you next week. Have a good one, Chow. Well, about time for me to be hitting the old dusty trail. I like your hat.